0: And welcome to episode 354 of the Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about what happened to Lucien Favre's overperformance of expected goals at the end of his tenure, Mats Hummels' apparent dislike for indoor soccer, Borussia Dortmund opening 2021 with a win against Wolfsburg and Saturday's top spiel away to second place Leipzig. For all that and more joins me Adam Dorowski. Hello Adam, how are you doing? Good,
2: thanks for having me again.
0: What a what a nice day! What an enjoyable <laughs> Wednesday! Nothing is going on, so uh, this, this it's 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 super nice that we can just uh, record the yellow wall pot, not do anything else. So uh, <laughs> that's great, and uh, obviously I also I'm uh, very happy to announce another guest. It's uh, first time, uh, Paul Johnson is here. He is the deputy editor for FearTheWall.com, and he is a data scientist. He uh, told me to mention so people will get his nerdy quips, and uh, he will su- sound surprisingly British for someone from Houston, Texas. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? <laughs>
3: All right. Thanks for having me on. I, can, uh, I wanted the data scientists in there so that people are well prepared <laughs> for a lot of boring nurture.
0: I, I hope you skipped the boring part today since we're recording this for a wider <laughs> audience. So uh, please be as entertaining as you can, Paul, but no pressure. i going to go into maximum
3: amount of detail. It's like the minutest intricacies of models.
0: Yes, yes. So um, <laughs> models is also what we're here talking about, not the ones uh, Donald Trump likes, but uh, <laughs> statistical models. And uh, you provided uh, a model for a text for com that Steve Zimmerman wrote. And obviously that was a little bit about the expected goals over underperformance in the Bundesliga and uh, the expected goal differential. And uh, how Dortmund have fared under Favre, and the uh, I guess slight dip at the end. So um, I'll I'll leave it to you to explain maybe a little bit what happened in uh, Borussia Dortmund's uh, overperforming of the expected goals differential and why it dipped, or or how it dipped in the end. If you don't know why, yeah.
3: So to quickly clarify, it's uh, I I produced some uh, plots for the article that that are taken from uh stats bonds data that that fb ref provides so adam can can talk a little bit about this as well the what we see is that pretty much during fast time as bvb manager he has overperformed xg significantly and that seemed to come to a close around the start of this season and it's it gradually declined up to the point when he was then sacked. I've got theories as to why it happened.
0: Well, let's see it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> yes, I just want to want to be clear that these are theories. Right? <laughs> but the uh I think the first of all, one of the big problems was obviously Harland picked up an injury, and the team had become particularly reliant on him by that time. And so when he left injured, the team were just that much less potent. But I also think there's a... I think that Hakimi, the loss of Hakimi rather, hurt the team a lot more than was expected. And we obviously knew he was a fantastic offensive player, but I think we kind of underestimated how important Important he was for everything that Dortmund do and I think that he has so his absence has I mean it's certainly shored up the defence but they've also I mean that just not having that that speed and that width down the right uh, has has kind of limited Sancho a little bit and it, and and that loss of the ball ball progression and uh, that speed in transition has meant that Sancho has to drop a little bit deeper to try and make things happen it means that there's less support in the box and and kind of the, the, I think there's just a lot of cumulative negative effects across the whole offence without Hakimi
0: so big recruitment error by Favre to go for a menu, not for a quote-unquote faster player, or do you think that's more down to Hakimi's special skill set because he wasn't just a pacey guy, because when he was at pace he also did things quite right. I mean, you can have pacey fullbacks, say Nico Schulz, for example, that doesn't mean they immediately work out <laughs> if you stick him in there.
3: Yeah, that speed's no good if it just bounces off your shins, is it? <laughs> the, um, yeah, I, I think it's the, the problem is I'm not entirely sure whether I blame the team for not investing in Hakimi. It was a lot of money. There were defensive issues as well. I think it would have been really difficult to replace him with another player in reality because I'm not sure how many players offer that much speed with the same technical ability and creativity. He's a tremendous offensive threat. I think it's perhaps the, the blame lies in not preparing for that loss sufficiently more than anything
0: yeah that that makes sense obviously um so you also made a very nice overview of uh, how uh, dominant Arling Haaland has been in terms of his goal contribution this season I think you pointed out it's like 38 percent it's probably gone down a little bit since uh, the 2-0 against Wolfsburg and his injury um But uh, yeah, you can see that in the previous season, obviously, uh, uh, Haaland was not at 38%. I think it was more around 15% or so. And obviously, uh, in seasons before, uh, Marco Royce and Alcacer have been around 22%. And Jane Sancho last season also was at at 20%. So that really shows you how dominant uh, Haaland is. And I'm going to ask this question now because I I know it's maybe a little bit silly to ask. But nevertheless, I'm going to go ahead and say, do you think that uh, Arling Haaland being so dominant and uh, the goals not being sort of spread out among other players has hurt Lucien Favre and his idea of football? Because uh, for whatever reason, uh, the rest of players do not get as many good openings and and, and basically chances to quote-unquote overperform the XG as they do because they just don't get as good of looks due to Haaland being in there and sort of taking it all up for himself
3: yeah it it it's hard to say whether it is the result of uh the the team having kind of greater offensive struggles and Haaland kind of taking the slack or whether Haaland is so good offensively that the team became kind of built around him and and became too focused on playing through him and then losing him obviously did did a lot of damage. I think that it it. I mean, it's a bit of a cop out. But I think it's probably a bit of both. I think that obviously, like I said, I, I think that the loss of Hakimi has hurt the team, and I think one of the big ways that that's happened is that it's caused Jaden Sancho to have to drop back a little bit deeper. And I think that he is still doing a lot really really well, but he's just not getting into the box as much and. He's not able to offer the same kind of secondary goal threat that he has been offering the last couple of seasons. So, to I've got the figure up. It's Harland so far this season, and I mean this is this is uh, this is uh, from I think the last game. So this is including the injury period, which makes it even more absurd. It's uh, he's contributed. Thirty-eight point forty-six percent of all of uh, Dortmund's goals. Which, if if you calculated it from the point before the injury, it's probably I don't know close to fifty percent. It's ridiculous, and that's just it's it's an a huge amount of goals to lose when that player then gets injured and it's hard to see how the team can can kind of live with that and it's so for example you've also got uh three there's three other players from this season on that on the chart and it's uh, Reina Royce and Matt Holmes and they're contributing about 11.5% whereas in the previous seasons we had multiple players that were contributing about 20 to 15%. And that means that, I mean, if you lose one guy, sure, it hurts, but you've got other guys that are still contributing a, a lot of goals. Whereas Haaland's doing the work of about two players.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, two, it's just two crazy. Two of our
3: very best players as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Dortmund's don't uh, attack has dried up a little bit without Haaland. Uh, I mean, that was to be expected. I, I consider him right now the second best striker in the world behind Robert Lewandowski. Uh, maybe you can argue about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and so on. But otherwise, I don't really see someone that plays an out-and-out number nine um, being that good, to be honest. So, um, Adam, if we look at Paul's plot you see that Dortmund obviously still above Bayern, uh, Leipzig, Gladbach and other teams uh, overperformed the expected goals or uh, at, at least uh, the goal difference. Um, do you think that say Paul's analysis is that uh, Dortmund need to sort of transition quicker to get in, into better scoring uh, opportunities? Do you think that Edin Terzic is the guy that uh, can fix that that will address that sort of uh, uh, sort of lack of transition football and and, and pace and uh, what
2: what not. That's definitely an interesting question. I was sitting here just like you, waiting for for Paul to give us all the answers because I've been trying to figure out this one as well. And I think that another piece of the puzzle that has been missing that maybe we're just not paying enough attention to is the lack of minutes from Torgan Hazard this season, and he's he's a great chance creator, and. I know that the numbers show that this season creating chances hasn't necessarily been Dortmund's issue it's been converting them but and I think what Paul has said about Sancho needing to pull back that leaves less people In that attacking penalty area to uh, finish those chances. Now, Jaden Sancho's numbers for like passes in the penalty area, progressive passes are way off the charts from from last season. So he's creating chances, which then means he's not there to finish them. And I think that getting people behind him creating chances, whether it's Hazard, whether it's Hakimi, I mean, those were two huge sources of chances last season, and they're just not there as far as what Terzic needs to do, <laughs> that's the million-dollar question. I, I don't know if I have an answer to that.
0: Well, I mean, my my answer, I, I say this somewhat jokingly every time uh, I, I'll say it, but uh, maybe half-jokingly, I would like to see Hazard as a right-back or, or more as a right-wing-back because he brings a pace and usually his tenacity means that... Uh, you know, defensively he is not too shabby. Obviously, um, his his positioning is not always flawless, and I'll admit that that it's not a perfect solution. But at least uh, for games where you are more focused on breaking down opponents than uh, defending, I think Hazard is uh, just a very good option because, uh, as you said, he creates chances. He has pace, he has tenacity, and especially uh, going forward, he he just has so much upside. So uh, I think at least from the squad that you have and considering that Dortmund will not make any additions uh, this winter or uh, whenever really um, that he's a a good shout you know Mathieu Moret hasn't really uh, excelled in the uh, fullback department yet either obviously he could uh, get more of a chance in the future I don't know that Um, but what do you think about Hazard maybe as a a fullback Paul? Yeah I
3: quite like the idea it's because he's done it for Belgium a few times, hasn't mm-hmm. he? So it's something
0: he's familiar. with. But usually with. on the left side, rather, right? Yeah, possibly. I'm, I'm not. I've, I've... Have I caught you out now that you don't watch Belgium? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's done it with four at the back either, which is another a interesting one. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, be... it would probably require three at the back.
3: I'd be a little bit more worried uh, trying it with four at the back. Definitely, I think yeah. that it's. It's definitely one of the better options, certainly. I, I think that if we've got... I mean, obviously, Akanji has massively uh, improved this season and Hummels has been solid as ever. So, I mean, I'm reasonably comfortable with the defence at the moment. So, obviously, I mean, you lose a little bit defensively playing Hazard, but I think you gain so much offensively that it's it's worth... It's worth at least trying. I think. Um, I think the other option is if they want to play four at the back to go with a four-three-three three and have perhaps Bellingham and Brandt underlapping for the wingbacks when they when they push forward. So I think they just need one of the things that I think Sancho has struggled with is just the teams know what he's going to do because he's not got a overlapping run coming and 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 so they know that they he's going to try and dribble at them and he's going to try and beat them and without having a concern about the other options he's got it's a lot easier to try and sort of double him up and and stop him
0: i think that's spot on and uh, i mean menye does a couple of overlapping runs to be honest but uh, what's against hertha where we we've seen it by Emre at at some point because he sort of lost it and, and just did it himself. Um, I, I think that needs to, that's something we need to see way more often from, from Meunier. And I think the instruction, the clear instruction must be that uh, he sort of uh, needs to find some chemistry with Sancho or whoever is playing on his side. Um, I think Sancho, when he plays more on the left uh, with Guerrero, that sort of works out much better. I think overall, when Dortmund uh, create over the left side, over Guerrero's side, that's. Uh, when they become more dangerous, so uh, I I think that's that's a really good uh, analysis on your part, and uh, obviously it's it's a bit obvious, but uh, I mean the, there haven't been too many different changes to be honest, so uh, it's hard to put your finger somewhere else. I mean I've always said that a uh, main reason that Dortmund are struggling is probably also just fatigue. Um, I think we we see this across the board with uh, European top teams right now. I think uh, also who uh FB ref just uh, published a nice uh, statistic on uh on on Twitter that that shows that uh, the the pressures per game are dropping off significantly um so i guess there's correlation as well so um that all being said uh i ask you guys to do a little homework which uh, means reading the Matsummels interview that i translated for the yellowwall.com dot uh, net <laughs> um obviously as always thank you to all our patrons for supporting us, which uh, allows me the time to do something like that because Hummels did give a rather lengthy interview uh, to SportBild and I translated it almost in full. Uh, I skipped the uh, parts about him talking about the national team and Manuel Neuer and whatnot because I found that very boring and didn't want to know. Um, But uh, yeah, if you want to contribute and I think for $1 a month, you can have access to our written content, which is behind the quote-unquote yellow paywall, um so yeah he basically was talking about um what the new coach has to bring now and he he says he needs to fit to the team which uh, is an interesting sentence uh, in in contrast to uh, how he may view Favre. um he said that now we need somebody who instills determination passion and grit we're basically overflowing with footballing talent but when opponents meet us with physicality we're troubled by it often And he's also praised Terzic by saying that he identified the issues and is trying to get rid of them in training. And he's also helping us to play to our strengths again. And he also talked a little bit about uh, how he saw Lucien Favre's tenure end. And he said that in the end, there was apparently the impression that there was a ceiling of what could be achieved with Lucien Favre. I think the front office eventually came to the conclusion that they had to change something in order to breach that ceiling. And uh, he also had a little bit of criticism toward the footballing style of uh, what Dortmund needs to do better. And <laughs> I found it kind of funny when he said, no more playing like kids in the soccer 5 aside, side It's about creating a co- competitive spirit and making winning the goal above all else. Adam, what did you make of the Hummels interview and the things he said? I just gave a couple of excerpts there so people that haven't read it get a little bit of a feeling uh, how it went. Yeah,
2: I have had a lot of the same things underlined and starred that you brought up, like uh, a coach that needs to fit to the team, which obviously means that Lucien Favre did not fit to the team, whether it was the team's skills or I think in this case it was more the team's mentality. I think uh, he talks a lot about that, like they they need the passion, they need somebody to to essentially push these kids on to to make them not playing like an indoor five-a-side, which I thought was another interesting uh, comment because I underlined that originally because I was like, well, on one hand, maybe they should be playing a little bit more like uh, indoor five-a-side for, for, with kids, just like playing with more fun and taking more risks and not being as methodical about the buildup. That seems to be the things that we hear
0: everybody complaining about all the time. They just take forever to get anything going. It really depends on how you understand what a kid's soccer five-a-side is indoors. Because that can look very and vastly different, depending on age group, etc., etc, and obviously fitness level, because if, if you plug me into a fiver site, I stand around a lot. <laughs> right. And then well, later in the interview, uh, he said that uh, going
2: easy for five days in training and then going full throttle on match days and delivering, it doesn't work that way. So I think it's less like the, the carefree side of, of kids 5 aside, and more the, uh, you know, not, not very serious and just kind of goofing around during training is what it sounds like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that that was sort of also more aimed at, at how they act in training than on the football ground, right?
2: yeah which says a lot i mean it it really sounds like Favre had kind of lost the the lost the player's focus i mean, I think that tactically he's he's got some great ideas, but it just seems like maybe they just stopped listening to him about these things and just were taking advantage of you know fun training or something
0: yeah so i'm I'm gonna go ahead now and ask the data scientists about uh the, the same interview but uh, I, I think it stood out uh, Paul that he said if, if Hummels could add one feature to this team it would be determination and uh, if they sort of pull that thing off they uh, would uh, become a top team or a side that can actually compete for titles. What what did you make of uh, what, what Hummels said to, to Sportbild? I think it was published on Tuesday.
3: I think the kind of first of all we often criticize players for kind of giving stock answers in interviews and, and being boring and, and not really showing showing their full hand. But I don't think you can say that about Hummels here. This this felt really, really honest and possibly more honest than he should have been. <laughs> I think that you can read the subtext pretty easily that he was kind of done with Fav. And it's, it's interesting because it, it, it kind of plays on a lot of the kind of ongoing criticism that people have had about Dortmund for a long time. And it, it, it's become cliched to talk about this sort of mentality issue, but it does seem like Hummels agrees. And I think the I think that, that there's some truth to what he's saying. And obviously we can't see what's going on in training, but certainly on the pitch, it, it does feel like there's a little bit too much. Oh, it, it feels like they're too easily rattled. And you kind of see it when... I mean, it, this has been less the case since uh, Haaland and uh, Emery Chan came in. But previously, in in during Favre's reign, we saw a lot of going up 1-0 and then just going to pieces at the the thought of trying to hold on to a lead. And I think that kind of points to the same issue, really.
0: Yeah. What I found very interesting, I'm, I'm uh, going to say this, because it hasn't really been mentioned a lot so far is that um it's also to me somewhat of a criticism aimed at Sebastian Kiel I don't know if uh, Hummels intended it or not but that's how I read it because uh, Sebastian Kiel has been obviously tasked to be the guy to you know instill a little bit of this grit and determination you know the uh, winning culture or whatever you want to call it and uh, you know that, that, that this if if one of your I almost said captains, but to, to I mean he's a former Dortmund captain. He wore the armband uh, late in the game um, against Wolfsburg. Uh, if if someone like this talks uh, in that way, I, I think you have to pin it a little bit on on Sebastian Kehl. We haven't really uh, seen or heard much, or you know players don't really you know go out of their way to praise Sebastian Kehl. You never really hear from him, you know. ...from any other source in the club unless obviously uh, Sebastian Kehl talks to the media himself. And uh, obviously he is right now um, being maybe the favourite even to be uh, the successor of Michael Zorc as a sporting director... ...which uh, is obviously something we need to discuss at more length because that's going to be a huge decision come uh, the end of 2022... So um, yeah, uh, right now I I view Sebastian Kehl with a bit more criticism, and uh, you know it, this this sort of interview by Hummels I don't think makes him uh, you know come come away w- with in in the better light. So that's that's all I'm gonna say. I think it was an interesting interview. <laughs> it was also funny that they asked him about the potential return about Thomas Tochel. He just said something. Well, if you look at the statistics, I'm sure he's a good coach, but uh, everything else <laughs> I'll I leave to other people to decide. I'm not sure if um, is too keen on the uh, Thomas Tuchel return.
3: The, there's a lot in the interview that he doesn't say outright, but it, it really does not require a lot of interpretation. Yes. Like that was, it couldn't have been clearer that he was just like, oh no, I hate him. <laughs> so, next question.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought it was a very entertaining. But uh, yeah, also, no, we still have uh, Wolfsburg and Leipzig to discuss. So uh, with any further ado, let's dive into the game against Wolfsburg.
1: That's with three goals so far this campaign, Harland with ten. So Harland's not been involved in any so far. That one's good, that one's excellent, but it's Akanji who's broken the deadlock. Manuel Akanji, the most touches of the ball on the park today. Taking the lead, 65 minutes into the game. It's been a long time coming, and it's been a set piece. Their fourth goal from a corner this season, and it smiles all round. Corner is high, Brooks couldn't get underneath it. Oh, again. Just doesn't fall for them. Doesn't fall for Wolfsburg. Trial Victor got a couple of good crosses in there. Chan, forward. Now's the chance. Sancho on his own, he's got past his man, James Sancho to score, no mistakes this time. James Sancho breaks that duck for the season and it was done with skill, precision and timing. There's no better time to go 2-0 up than in time and it on at the end of a half. That's the game for Dortmund, that's the first goal of the season for Sancho.
0: Well yes, yeah, Borussia Dortmund are back in fourth place after 14 match days. They uh, took fourth place away again from fourth, Eversberg, with this uh, 2 0 win, which, uh, in my opinion, was a very nice game. And I'll have you know, since Matthias Zuk isn't here, uh, I called him yesterday on his birthday to congratulate him, and I heard basically Darth Vader, so that's why he's not here today. Uh, he is he is sick, uh, but uh, he wanted to rant about. Uh, how people on Twitter (laughs) were not happy with this performance, but uh, I I think overall uh, I can agree with Matthias that it was a good performance, and obviously Akanji scoring in the 66th minute set Dortmund up to uh, the all-deciding counterattack in the 91st minute executed by Jaden Sancho excellently for his first goal of the season, as we just heard. Um, Adam ignoring, well, we're not going to ignore it, but uh, besides the, uh, let's say, eight-minute onslaught of uh, Hungry Wolves pressing Dortmund to shreds. I think this was a very good performance against a pretty good team.
2: Yeah, I think when it's all said and done, it it definitely is. There are some numbers that that stood out about this match that it was was a weird one. Like, this was the most shots they allowed in a match this season. 21 shots, uh, whereas uh, Stuttgart uh, was the previous high. But that shows, like, Stuttgart uh there were 4.1 uh post shot expected goals and this time there was just 0.4 so the the few chances that wolfsburg was actually getting uh on the goal uh were incredibly low value uh, most of them from very far out but uh yeah it it was it was the performance they needed it was definitely a tough opponent they they played him really hard uh but they pulled it off
0: yeah that's a very uh, concise summary of the game Paul, uh, I'm just going to openly ask you on on your thoughts, your top-line reactions.
3: Yeah, I think I I agree that it was a better performance than people are giving them credit for. I think sometimes when when you follow a team that you're so used to seeing win all the time, it's very easy to kind of forget that there are other decent teams out there. And Wolfsburg are, are one of those teams. They're a good team and it was never going to be an easy game. And I think that, on balance, Dortmund were the better team. I mean, like Adam said, Wolfsburg had a ton of shots. So, I mean, the XG for the game was uh, Dortmund had 1.8, and Wolfsburg had uh, 1.6. But when you look at the sheer number of shots, it, it shows that they weren't a huge threat and that that, uh, that XG is probably a little bit inflated. And I think that, that the reality was that Dortmund were much better than than the 0.2 difference that would suggest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the very first shot that Wolfsburg has, had was uh, Xaver Schlager. And then uh, n- another one a couple of minutes later, I think this one he probably should have scored in like the fifth minute. But uh, yeah, he... I mean, Wolfsburg arguably could have won this game. They had enough chances to do so, and if they go ahead, I don't know how Dortmund will react. Um, But, uh, I mean, we discussed it before the game that the uh, clinicalness was not a Wolfsburg strength, and I think Dortmund did profit from that, especially in the early minutes. But uh, what I, I mean, I really like, and uh, Paul, you already talked about it a little bit, I really like... Uh, And this game sort of uh, really highlighted it how good Manuel Akanji is uh, these days. I mean, he had this uh, outrageous pass to Haaland, uh, which he obviously then didn't score the goal of because I think it was just a last-ditch block by uh, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, But uh, overall, um, I'm really impressed with how good Akanji is, especially in tandem with Matsumis, because if we remember the previous months and years, um since Hummels uh, arrived, that was sort of a, a, a big problem that uh, those two just could not understand each other really on, on the pitch. So, Paul, uh, what what are you making of Akanji right now uh, and and his form? I
3: think that outside of probably Guerrero and, and I mean, maybe Harlan, but he's been out injured for, for a decent chunk of the season. I think that Akanji has been... Probably Dortmund's best player. Um, he's he obviously came under a lot of stick when kind of there was, there was a period of poor form in in the last couple of seasons. But pretty much since the return from lockdown, I think he's he's been much uh, much improved, and I think he's he's the perfect foil for Hummels as well because. I mean, Hummels is playing walking football at this point, <laughs> so you need you need a another centre back that that is pretty pacey. And I mean, Akanji's not rapid, but he's he's certainly not slow either, and and that's that really helps things.
0: No, definitely. I think there have been more than enough moments where Akanji killed off chances when Hummels was long overrun, either because Hummels is very proactive and tries to intercept. Passes and when it doesn't work out, Dortmund are very exposed at the back. and I think country, especially, has done a very great job overall this entire season, even when his form wasn't stellar. I, th- I think this was one of the aspects he still did well, this sort of uh, cleanup job for Hummels and, and the rest of the defense, just due to the pace, because uh, he is uh, probably one of the few Dortmund defenders that can actually keep up with the uh, fast paced uh, attacking players. But I mean, if, if Dortmund are outnumbered in that regard, see, for example, Stuttgart, then, uh, yeah, even even with a country, it, it's getting problematic. So whenever Dortmund play against a high pace offense, it's it's really going to be causing problems. Uh, Wolfsburg are not that team. Stuttgart most definitely are. And I think uh, the results did show that. Um... Adam, there's another thing I want to talk about, and I want your thoughts, but before I want to hear your thoughts, I want to hear my own, and that is, uh, I think that... Uh, it <laughs> in corrected the favre error um by uh picking stefan tiggers and promoting him and uh, before that getting a uh, mokoko on the field for his first game for the full debut against bremen i think tiggers now having played 10 minutes in the bundesliga and uh, i think it was 90 minutes in the cup i'm already ready to uh have this complete take is that i i think uh it it would have been cleverer by Favre to probably promote Tigges right away when Haaland picked up the injury instead of uh, trying to utilize Hazard, Brandt and Royce as a number nine. I don't think that really worked out and predictably didn't because in the past he's already attempted that and it never really worked uh, too well. I think the only one that kind of did well in that role was Mario Götze. And uh, otherwise it's kind of sort of meh. And uh, while Stefan Tigges... You know, Dortmund reserve player, 22 years old, uh, is obviously not uh, the best technician, let's say. I think his, uh, especially his, his uh, back-to-goal movement, uh, you know, controlling the ball, his hold-up play and all of that uh, is just so much more valuable than what the other three players have to offer. And uh, he does know how to press and uh, how to tackle balls and how to make things a bit more uh, tough for opposing uh, defenders given obviously he just had a 10 minute run out but uh, usually and I think Paul mentioned it already often that Dortmund you know almost crumble when they are sitting on a one elite and and uh, trying to just sort of bring it home and uh, in the final 10 minutes against Wolfsburg he certainly helped Dortmund to alleviate that pressure there were a couple just punts from Dortmund that uh, he sort of uh, converted into actual possession and i think that really had to not have volsburg to have a real power play situation or any pressure so um i personally am very happy uh with with this uh, sort of promotion because that means dortmund now have uh have a little bit more depth at the striker position than they had let's say five or six weeks ago and uh Completely changes the picture, um, and uh, I think Stefan Tigges, as far as I know, is also sticking around a little bit longer. He has uh, been training with the team now. I mean, the uh, Dortmund Reserve team could also use him because they're battling pro- for promotion against uh, Rot-Weiss Essen, obviously, but uh, Adam, since uh, I already uh, put out the disclaimer that my take is a bit of a hot take because we've really only seen about 100 minutes of him, but what's your opinion on this very small sample size?
2: Oh, I'm very, very happy to talk about Tiggs. I want to make sure that I get my words in on a kanji, though. I'll put those in after. Fine. So, uh, back to back to Tiggs. All right. So, obviously, this guy is playing like a a player who has been given the shot that he's been dying for, and he's running with it. What I like about Tiggs is, uh, or Tiggs, sorry. Uh, we've clearly spoken many times about how <laughs> uh, as Makoko fits into that uh, striker role. There are times when he he just isn't the same size as Holland, and that's led to actually a few issues. They've literally missed at least a couple of goals because of this. What I like about Tiggs is he, he he's shaped like your, Holland. The
0: pronunciation of his name ticks me off, Adam. Nice, nice. I like it.
2: <laughs> All right. So he's shaped like Holland. He fits in that in that spot where the players are used to passing to. And it's made me wonder, like, as we have had lots of injuries with uh, wingers uh, like Hazard. And as we're talking about, possibly Hazard coming back as a wing back uh, when we do finally get him back. And it leaves us a little bit thin on the wings. And it makes me wonder if Mukoko is, is maybe a little bit better for that winger, almost like Diaby role that, that, that he's playing in Leverkusen in there. Uh, it would be great to see, him helping out there as well as a way to get more minutes and a a way to get a little bit more of a well-rounded attacking performance out of him. And I think Tig slots in pretty well. I mean, obviously it's a super small sample size. Uh, I don't want to get too excited uh, like (laughs) I've done with, with Reyna in the past too, and just kind of had to like uh, settle down a little bit, but, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good start. And I think he's definitely driven and and seems to have a lot of those, uh, those qualities that Hummels has been talking about.
0: Yeah, obviously I'm standing here, uh, you know, lowering my thumb from the gallery I'm standing on. Uh, But, uh, Paul, do you at least in in some part agree with the uh, notion that it might have been an error by Favre not to promote him earlier?
3: Yeah, it's I mean, he was doing really well for the second team. And I think that you can kind of see as soon as he came in that, I mean, he's not. He obviously hasn't got the ceiling that the other two strikers have but he's he's effective and one of the problems that Dortmund have had this season without Haaland is that they just need someone to kind of occupy that space for opposition defenders and, and kind of draw defenders so that it opens up space for the other players around them and someone like Brandt just can't do that. I I think that Mukoko, despite being a lot smaller, uh, found his own ways of doing that. His speed and his movement was good at drawing defenders. But, I think Tiggers has, has, he's shown that he can do that, kind of as Adam said, in a kind of similar way to to Harland. I think he, he, he looks to me to be a really, really good option as a backup.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he he brings a lot of energy. Definitely, uh, you can see that clearly, and he does know how to press, which obviously you know m- may sound a bit uh, pedestrian. But in in all honesty, knowing exactly to to pick your timing to actually you know force opponents to commit an error or whatever um is is not that easy, and I think uh, sometimes separates good strikers from from bad strikers. So um i guess in in terms of uh, structural dortmund's performance i think slotting him in makes a lot of sense even if his individual skill set is not on the uh, highest level but obviously um it's it's still very positive so um i'm i'm very much here for the uh, Stefan uh fan club uh, so should there be one um so yeah i i think i think um I don't want to overanalyze the Wolfsburg game. I mean, it was a good game, but uh, we are also already 40 minutes in and we still have to preview Leipzig. So we shall move on, Adam. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about Leipzig, obviously, because they are in second place and they have nine wins, four draws and one loss, and they are unbeaten at home with six wins and one draws, and they have scored 25 goals. And they are the best defense in the league. Having only conceded nine goals, still single digits after forty match days is very impressive. I mean, just for context, Bayern have conceded twenty-one goals, uh, Leverkusen fourteen, Dortmund eighteen, and obviously uh, that's that's a good uh, record. Um, Personal wise, Dortmund will be without Bellingham, Hazard, and Schmelzer. And Mukoko has returned to the turning pitch, so there's a chance that he returns. But we are obviously recording this before the news conference. So um, that obviously leads me to the very logical question, since you still wanted to talk about it. Uh, Adam, um, uh, what do you like about uh, Manuel Akanji? And uh, maybe you can just uh, sort of put it in the context to the Leipzig game. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, so when thinking about the best strikers in the league, you've got Lewandowski, you've got Holland. Who Who's next? I think this season it's probably about Veghorst, and he was non-existent in that match thanks to Akanji. I, th- I think that things like that just don't get uh, enough recognition. Uh, yes, he scored the goal, but that's not what he bossed about that game. He made one of the top strikers in the league completely silent. The one shot on goal that Veghorst actually got was a very free header where he was right in between Hummels and Guerrero, so Akanji was not even involved there. But... So how does that translate to Leipzig? Good question, because obviously they lost, lost their big striker. I wondered how the heck they were going to get goals uh, when, when they lost not only uh, Timo Werner, but also uh, Patrick Schick. And it turns out that it's kind of like Dortmund last year. They're just coming from everywhere. So they don't have anybody with more than four goals. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be different than like finding that one top striker and shutting him down.
0: Yeah, Angelino and Paulsen are tied top scorers for Leipzig with four goals each. And Leipzig this season have 12 different goalscorers so far, which is similar to Dortmund, to be honest, because Dortmund so far have 11 different scorers. So I actually expected this, uh, this margin to be be a bit wider, especially since uh, players like uh, Julian Brandt haven't scored yet or Thomas Delaney. And I don't know if Witzel has been on the score sheet, so I expected Dortmund to have way fewer uh, amount of scorers than Leipzig, but it's actually pretty pretty close. So um that's a statistic that surprised me. Uh assist leader for Leipzig is uh, Danny Olmo by the way. Uh but expected assists per 90 uh says that uh Ankunku and Emil Forsberg are leading in these categories. Paul um obviously that is a big game for Dortmund. They will play the Saturday topspiel. It's the uh, 1230 kickoff uh Eastern time here where i'm watching i think you have a couple of hours difference um so going to leipzig for dortmund is not easy but arguably one of their best performances last season came there in between atrocious losses to mainz and hoffenheim so um what can dortmund fans expect this time around with their trip to uh, leipzig i'm i'm feeling a little bit optimistic actually Yush. Don't jinx
3: it. Is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Leipzig have been brilliant so far this season. And a big part of that has obviously been the their sort of wild defense. The conceding nine goals in 14 games is absurd. I think that Dortmund have the quality to, to limit Leipzig's offensive threat. But I'm not convinced that Leipzig can stop Haaland. And not really because they're not a great defence, just because I'm not convinced anyone can stop Haaland. And I think that could potentially be the, the difference maker.
0: Well, it's a very bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no, you, you're away. right. Although he will have to go up against Upamecano and I think if there's uh, one one defender that can handle Haaland's paces, it's maybe him.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, there is no doubt in the... I, I think this is one of those games that could easily go either way. I wouldn't be shocked if... Leipzig won. I I think that uh, Dortmund have the the quality to win as well. I'm yeah. I'm going to remain optimistic, but I'm ready to have that dashed at the weekend.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, people should mentally prepare for a loss. I'm also very intrigued uh, a little bit about the coaching battle on the sidelines because I think tactical uh, variances will make a difference in this game. And obviously, uh Tessic is uh, uh, known, I guess, uh, among people who know, because I don't know him uh, that much. But uh, his reputation says that he is very good at preparing for other teams and, and scouting them and, and whatnot. Uh, I don't really have a big body of work yet to really analyze his in-game coaching. But uh, this is something where my focus will be on a little bit. So this is a game especially if Dortmund win I'll probably watch twice or thrice on, on different very vari- variations of speed um because I really just want to know what kind of decisions he is making I mean um we were all hoping I guess that Dortmund were going to make uh, some sooner substitutions as uh uh you know Favre really uh, waited a long time but so far this hasn't really panned out so I'm I'm really intrigued uh, what what Dortmund can do against Leipzig I mean it's it's obviously not a big secret that that Leipzig right now are a better team than Dortmund just uh, cohesively um and uh, I would even say from from a tactical standpoint they are better at uh creating chances if that makes sense even though Dortmund are also a very good team at at creating chances but uh, Leipzig are a bit more lively and they definitely know how to u- utilize their their uh, fullbacks a bit better um, I mean Dortmund obviously have Rafa Guerrero so it's It's not like Dortmund are far off Leipzig. And it's uh, I think like Paul said, very possible that Dortmund come away as winners. Um, Adam, are there any uh, key battles you are looking forward to? And and don't say goalkeepers, please, for the love of God, don't.
2: (laughs) No, it wasn't going to be goalkeepers. I I think there's no other key battle except for uh, that Upamecano and Holland one. That's going to be the one that decides the game. Now, as far as who... uh, who Leipzig is going to start on top? Um, I don't know. Who Who do you think it's going to be? I have no idea.
0: Honest, honestly, I I, I think they're they're sticking with uh, may, maybe Paulsen. But uh, the thing about Nagelsmann mm. is, I've I've tried to predict his lineups uh, uh, for a couple of times, and I I just I just completely failed. So they might just stick with uh, what they did in the in the previous games. They have so many different. Uh, striker options I'm just I'm just gonna hand this uh question over to you Paul because I I think you might have a more educated guess than I do
3: I, I think you're wrong um <laughs> I yeah I I think that Nagosman is one of those coaches that it's just a fool's errand trying to predict what he's going to do I, I think that that given the Terzic is known for his good prep that uh that may not be as valuable in this case, simply because it's difficult to prep for someone that is a little bit unpredictable. I think I also wanted to touch on. I mean, you're talking about the uh, way that uh, Leipzig create chances, and what's interesting to me, at least, is that uh, Leipzig are on a similar level as both Bayern and Dortmund in terms of the volume of uh, shots that they create per ninety, but in terms of the value of those shots, they're quite far behind both Dortmund and uh, Bayern. I mean, Bayern are, are vastly overperforming their XG at the moment because everything that touches Lewandowski ends up in the back of the net. But Sheed. Dortmund have, have obviously been underperforming. And I mean, I think that some of that is. Specific to Dortmund, and it, it, it's not just bad luck or, or random chance. It's, but the, I think that also there will be a, a portion of it that is just simply uh kind of the the natural random variance in in sport, and so it's it's. I'm hoping at some point during this season that things will start to turn around and we start to see Dortmund kind of catch up with their. XG and this could we could really do with it being this game that that starts happening.
0: I mean, we can already point to the worst book game and say it 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 happened a little bit. I don't, I don't even, mm. I mean, maybe I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting because um, Leipzig have um, you know, tried out very uh, like a lot of different things. I mean, maybe you'll see a front free. Composed of Haidara, Paulsen, and Angelino. Maybe Forceback will lead the line, which they sometimes do. Um, it's also interesting to see uh, who's in midfield, uh, whether it's Kampel, Zabitza, or uh, Tyler Adams. You know, there's just a lot of quality in there, and obviously it always gets very physical. And um, I wonder if, if it's also going to be Halstenberg as a left back or or someone else. Uh, you know, I think Mukiel will probably play as a, as a right back. So, um, and goulash in gold so it's 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 going to be a very strong leipzig side especially since they also now had a full week uh to prepare for this game so um i i I really wonder uh what they are doing um i personally expect a very intense game um and and a very cagey one too i don't even know if, if there are going to be too many chances but if you look at both teams you still sort of expect the goals to be scored via through balls more than uh, any anything else. To be honest, it's more like uh, uh, you know winning the ball, losing the ball, winning the ball, and then uh, you know out of that counter pressing situation, someone uh, finds a, a through ball, and and uh, possibly Haaland or whoever uh, is on the end of that. So um, that leads me to my next question, Adam. Uh, Julian Brandt should he somehow have a role in this game because he in uh, in the past had had good games against leipzig minus the back passes to timo werner <laughs> right
2: <clears throat> yeah that's that's such a good point i forgot about that one but it wasn't that that was the game that he had that incredible turn on that goal mm-hmm. um i'd like to see him in there i would like to s- i think we're going to need somebody progressive in the midfield so i i could see him matching up with elizabeth Warren. <laughs>
0: what's that i <laughs> said elizabeth warren if you want someone professor. oh there you go yeah uh, perfect there yeah. you go <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I don't know i've I've consumed too much u.s politics in the recent days i apologize um, no, it, it's have. it's all the same <laughs> but but yeah um it's 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 going to be interesting because i don't know if i really want to see the delaney witzel double pivot again and bellingham is obviously out so paul uh the honor now falls to you to pick that uh, lineup for Edin uh, Tasevich, obviously, since he is a keen listener.
3: <laughs> I I'm going to vouch for Big Mo. I want Mo Dahoud mm. in the in the middle. I mean, I'm not sure what happened at some point this season, but he, I think he he looked really really good at the beginning of the season, and he might be the kind of sort of industrious but progressive player that Dortmund could really do with in this, do within this game and it would be nice to see him get some more minutes after seemingly disappearing off the face of the earth recently.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's one of the biggest enigmas uh, in, in this Borussia Dortmund uh, period. What the hell happened to Mahmoud Tahoud. at first? He wasn't really uh, clicking and uh, couldn't catch any stretch of consistent form and once he did, all of a sudden he was just cut and uh, no one knows why or has any explanation for it. It's really weird. So, um yeah, I'm 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 wondering that too. And I think it's a it's a good shot because uh, I I think Dortmund do need someone more progressive as Adam said in there. So, um yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what uh, lineup Tedisic will pick. Obviously, um what uh, I really want to see from Dortmund is uh, similar against Wolfsburg is um that they do not commit too many defensive errors. Um, I think there were a couple of mishaps, especially early on, under pressure, where Meunier had the trademark pass into the box to an opponent. Maybe don't do that too many times. Mm, yeah. um, also happens to other players, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think Julian Nagelsmann will look at Dortmund's, uh, you know, behavior under pressure early on and will say, huh, that was fairly easy to force them to a lot of mistakes. Let's do that too. So Dortmund should be ready for it um, this time. I don't know if they will be, because if you're getting pressed high, there's not much you can really do about it other than uh, trying to find footballing solutions, really. Uh, but the problem often is, uh, especially early in the game, when uh, you haven't found your rhythm and flow, and Dortmund are a team that needs a bit of time to warm up, uh, you know, it's it's almost predictable that Dortmund might actually go down 1-0 or so uh, very early in this game. And otherwise, obviously, I would like them to play another Quote unquote mature performance, which I think the game against Wolfsburg certainly was. It was a mature performance from both teams, frankly, which made it such a good game of football, in my views. I really enjoyed that match. And uh, I'm hoping for it again because the Bundesliga needs to advertise itself a little bit. And while I'm not the biggest uh, Raba Leipzig fan, I at least, uh, you know, think that the top teams in the Bundesliga should, uh, you know, have games that, that people want to watch that is appealing for neutrals. So, um, this is sort of what I'm hoping for obviously with a better outcome for Dortmund but uh, yeah I'm I'm hoping for a high quality game here uh, that's that's all I'm going to say and uh, yeah I'll I'll leave the last words to you Paul and then Adam on on this game what what your hopes and dreams are or well, things you want to warn about and then I think we can knock it on the head
3: So I mean in terms of hopes and dreams I I think my hopes have already been dashed cuz Jude Bellingham's not going to be playing um But I think beyond that, I'd just like to see Sancho kind of building on his uh, good game against Wolfsburg and I'm just hoping that we see a kind of match fit Haaland because I think that could be a real difference maker. I could see this game coming down to either one glaring defensive error from Dortmund or or a, a special moment from Haaland and I think it would be a End up being a low-scoring affair, and
2: hopefully that will go our way.
0: All right. Uh, do you want to give a prediction? I'm gonna go one-nil Dortmund. I'm sticking to it. Good. Adam.
2: Nice. uh So I, I yeah, I want to see Holland break out. I want to see him just totally overtake that Red Bull defense and sorry, Ross and uh defense and <laughs> grab a couple of goals for us. I have the feeling it's going to be a little bit of a shootout and probably going to end uh, I'm thinking probably a draw something like a 2-2 two, 3-3 two, three, three again uh but no I'll be optimistic let's go 3-2 Dortmund
0: Yeah no it's a, it's a good prediction uh, it's uh, it's I guess good news for Dortmund that uh I'm going to butcher his name because uh Abel Meseras isn't here to uh, correct me but Schoberschlei. or Sobersai uh he obviously joined them for a completely unrelated club called RB Salzburg <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, he apparently is good mates with uh, Arling Holland, and uh, they are apparently a bit sad that they're not going to see each other uh, to on on the field. But uh, I'm not that sad, honestly. I don't know why. Just not not that kind of emotion here. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I I don't know too much else about the uh, personal situation over at Leipzig yet, but um, I hope uh, maybe Zabitzer pulls his muscle or something like that. You know. <laughs> uh but uh if not I actually think that uh Dortmund will not have a great game because uh of that Leipzig midfield owning the Dortmund midfield especially when we have uh, Delaney and Witzel in there and I think they're going to be a little bit overpowered and at some times outnumbered uh hence I'm picking uh Leipzig to win this three to one so uh this is, going, this is me going for the biggest reverse jinx possible. Uh, I don't know if uh, I lessen its effect if I announce it. But uh, be it as it is, uh, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, Paul, it's uh, been a pleasure having you on for the first time. Uh, please tell our listeners how to, uh, yeah, A, read your written content and B, follow you on Twitter.
3: So, yeah, you can find me and several other people on fearthewall.com uh, and... I'm on Twitter, my handle is uh, Paul underscore johnson 89 Very
0: well, Adam.
2: I am foosballtwit on Twitter. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, yeah, you can find me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter. You can find all of us at Wallpot and obviously also on Facebook. Our written content as previously advertised, please see on theyellowwall.net. And if you want to subscribe to the show, please uh, look out for it on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. If you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. We shall be back next week uh, with hopefully a Dortmund W and uh, yeah Leipzig pinned away from that second spot. Let's see uh, how Leverkusen can recover and what uh, Bayern will do against Gladbach on Friday. But until then, uh, I want to thank everyone again for listening and uh, stay safe. Good.